Good evening, hello, and welcome to the Freelance Mum podcast with myself, Faye Dicker. Um, and today I'm joined by a fab guest and a fellow freelance mum, Katie Silverthorne. In fact, she's not just a freelance mum, she's a freelance mum fairy, she's a voiceover artist, and she's an advocate for disability as well. Um, Katie, thank you very Hello. much for joining us. Um, it's super lovely to see you. I'm seeing lots of you this week, actually. I know, There's I know. Loads and loads, isn't there? You've been, and I'm, I'm not, I'm going to say it for you, because you're also a shortlister, a finalist in the Ipsy Freelancer Awards for the Wellbeing Award, isn't it? That's now, tell me a bit about that and, and how you came to get to be shortlisted for that particular award. Well, I, I think it's because I question asking myself quite a lot as well. <laughs> but, um, so I am, so obviously I, well, I don't, there's no obvious about it. I have multiple sclerosis and I've had it for mm, it's reaching towards 20 odd years now, that kind of time. And I realized, because obviously I'm a freelancer, I'm a voiceover artist. Can you hear them stamping down the stairs above us? Mm, <laughs> they don't care that I'm under here at all, <laughs> like horses. <laughs> um, so I realized that there were, um, quite a lot of people who have chronic illnesses that um, feel that their working life is in some way over. And even if their working life isn't completely over, they could never imagine being freelance or self-employed because it's frightening and it's unknown and you don't know what's going to happen. But actually, there's a lot of things that we can take within the freelance world that make it really compatible with having a chronic fluctuating, flaring, changing, disabling illness. <laughs> and uh, so I talk about that a lot and I encourage people to explore many different things. What I love about you, Katie, is that you're um, saying all of these things with a great big smile on your face. <laughs> and I'm quite sure that managing chronic illness is a challenge at the best of times, let alone managing freelance life as well, because they all these things bring challenges, um, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So, you know, to have the, the two hand in hand, before we talk about managing a career, um, a freelance career around um, around a, dis a disability or a chronic yeah. illness, do you want to take us back to your diagnosis, Katie, and when you were first diagnosed with multiple sclerosis? Okay, so I was 23 years old. Well, I was actually, yeah, I was 23, I was 24 when I was diagnosed, but my first major relapse that I had, I was 23. I lived on my own. Um, and I worked in a bookstore at that time and I loved I love books and I still do and I was very you know I was super I was very happy it's a very physical job though and uh, one day my left foot started to go numb and my toes went numb I thought oh that's a bit weird oh I'll just ignore that what could possibly be wrong with me I'm 23 years old it'd be nothing you know because there can't be anything possibly wrong could there and over the course of the next two weeks, every morning I woke up, more of my left-hand side was numb. So I'd wake up in the morning and then my whole foot would be numb. And the next morning I'd wake up and then my lower leg. And the next morning I'd wake up and it'd gone past my knee. Until eventually, after the course of a couple of weeks, it um, spread exactly halfway down my body. So the left-hand side of my face, the left-hand side of my body, my trunk, my whole left leg, um, up until my wrist actually so my hand was unaffected the right hand side was fine and it's not um, numb as in you can't feel anything at all it's what's sort of known as desensitized so it's similar to when you're when you've been sitting on your leg 
and it wakes up from pins and needles. Mm. So you touch it and you know that something's touching it and it also hurts at the same time. So you've got that sort of awareness, like, oh, goodness, <laughs> that hurts. Look, let's not touch that. It's that is very similar to that kind of feeling, um, which is thoroughly unpleasant when you experience it the whole time. And also um, terrifying because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, I had to stop working uh, and I then became pretty much bed housebound for many months. But that's the longer story. And at this point or, or at what point did you think I better start paying attention to this? This isn't just a case of turning up the music a bit louder and hoping that that noise goes away. Yeah. This is actually a symptom or, or now a set of symptoms that yeah. are calling out to have some attention. I was really slow on the uptake, <laughs> but um, when I look back at it and I reflect, I understand why that was. And it took me a, took me many years to understand how I could have been so incredibly slow and stupid. I was too sick to advocate for myself. And that's really what it came down to. So when you get, so that came along with these symptoms, um, This th that was the main symptom that came with it. That was the first and most exciting one. But um, that came alongside that was, crippling fatigue like I just couldn't stay awake for long period any periods at all I slept for I don't know 22 hours a day like it was an incredible I literally woke up to eat and go to the toilet and wash and then I would go back to bed again it was thoroughly exhausting so combining that with um my balance was gone as well so when I stood up I felt really dizzy and I would have to hang on to the wall I used to walk by moving my hand along the wall so that I didn't tumble sideways um I didn't have enough energy to walk down the stairs uh, I barely had enough energy to, I couldn't wash my hair or anything like that. That was an, an, an impossible dream. There's too much hair. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh my God, there's loads of it. <laughs> like, what do I do with this hair? So, um, and also a lot of pain that comes with it as well. So when you're locked in that sort of, that swirling mystery of pain and illness, and I was on my own and that's the other thing. So I didn't have any family nearby. My family was miles away. Um, and I started calling in sick to work and I kind of said, I don't really know what's wrong with me, but I don't think I can walk today. Uh, and they said, oh, OK, then that's really strange. Well, let us know when you get better. And I didn't get better. And I did initially call. So I called the doctors at some point, you know, after when I realized that I was quite sick. And um, the receptionist told me that there was no doctor's appointment for about a month and that I needed to just make an appointment for a month's time. And I said, I need one sooner than that. She said, well, there aren't any. I went, oh, okay. And I hung up the phone because that was the extent of my energy that I had for dealing with it. Um, now the world is kind of different, but bear in mind, this is a really long time ago. This was, it's actually 17, year, 17 nearly 18 years ago. And there wasn't the internet in the way there is now. I didn't have a computer in the house. I didn't have a TV. I didn't have anything. <laughs> I had books and I had a radio. <laughs> that was it. And there was no smartphones. And so access to information, if you needed to know anything, you kind of had to go to the library. That was sort of where you went. And so when the doctor just, or when the receptionist just said, there's nothing we can do, I just accepted it and went, oh, okay. Because I felt too ill to be able to make any further conversation, basically. So I hung the phone up and I went back to bed for about three weeks <laughs> and, then, um, and then as I started to get better um after it was actually a bit longer than that when I started so I went through this this really nasty um relapse for it's hard for me to know how long it was but it was many many weeks and I 
I think a few months. And I did speak to my family in that time. Um, my sister was in a hospital, so she was no use to anybody. And so she was really sick. Um, and there wasn't really anybody else to talk to. That, that was kind of it. Um, so I sort of, I didn't really know what to do. Um, and then eventually, as I got better, I thought, this is not normal. I'm not supposed to be like this because I could start to think again. Once that flare, the worst of it started to come down. And once I started to get better and I could walk a bit more readily, I took myself down to the doctor's surgery and I stood in the reception and I demanded to see a doctor. And she said, well, there aren't, you can't see a doctor. And I said, well, I'm going to stand here until I see one. That's all there is to it. So I'm not leaving. You can't make me leave. I'm going to stand here until I see a doctor. But this was a long time. I'd been sick for many months by this point, but I'd been too sick to fight or to be annoying or to advocate for myself in any way. I just couldn't do it. Um, I, cause I couldn't even, all I could do to getting down the stairs, I had to go on my bottom. You know, I couldn't stand up for long enough to get down the stairs. And so you, you can't think in that situation. So Anyway, I did see a doctor that day and he referred me to a neurologist. And I, by that point, I was on the upswing. So I was coming out of that relapse and I was getting better because that's what happens with relapsing, remitting MS. You get better. You get better and worse and it flares up and down as the years go on. And eventually then I saw a neurologist and then I had an MRI and I was diagnosed. But I mean, that was months and months and months later that I got a diagnosis. So... MS, is it a neurological condition? You'll have to forgive me and my ignorance. You know, how does it, I, I can hear how it it affects you, but what's yeah. actually going on in the body and the mind at that point in time? So what happens is your, um, your immune system, so it's an autoimmune condition, it att attacks the central nervous system. So your immune system attacks what's known as, if I have, I might have a cord here, and it is relevant, honestly, but it's not a chopped up one, which I often have handy, but I don't have a chopped up one. Oh, it's a shame. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You know what a cable looks like. Yeah. So it attacks the, so if you imagine that the cable is the myelin sheath and that runs down through your spinal column and into your brain. And those myelin that myelin sheath is that insulating material that covers all your nerves. And what happens, every nerve that you have in your body has this over it and that protects it. And what happens my nervous, my immune system attacks the myelin sheath for some unknown reason that nobody knows. It attacks it and it strips it away. So all the wiring inside becomes bare and naked, which means, which is what causes symptoms. So those wires short, the information can't get through properly, um, or they short circuit, or they cause pain, or they cause numbness, blindness, deafness, inability to speak, swallow, lack of bladder control. This is not all my symptoms, by the way, <laughs> but they are any possible symptom you could ever imagine. Um, pretty much can be because uh, obviously nerves run the show, brains run the show. So you can have then what happens is you get what's known as plaques. And the plaques are when it sort of hardens over the top of where that lovely, soft, malleable myelin sheath should be. You get plaques that harden over the top of it and the information still can't get, can't get through. It's like scarring. And so when your body then mends itself, it gets this scarring over the top of it and that doesn't help any better. So when they look on the MRI, they can see all the damaged parts. And so I've got damage in my brain and my spinal column from that original relapse. When you found that out, Katie, and when they saw that scan, in itself, was that um, 
of mild comfort that you hadn't made it all up, that it wasn't just a strange dream that had happened. Can you remember that moment? Yeah, I can remember it absolutely vividly. And um, so she, because I'd gone for the MRI um, weeks previously, and I remember going back to get the um, results, and she said, it's really clear. Look, and she showed me pictures of my brain and my spinal column, which was fascinating I was like wow I have a brain I was like yay I'm so excited but um so I have a brain and um she said look you can see here and here where the damage is and it does mean that you've got um, multiple sclerosis and I had a vague understanding of what that was because um my uncle actually has it but he's not related to me by blood (laughs) it's just completely random a married member of my family um but so I did vague I, I knew what it was um but of course you don't really know how it's going to affect you and his how it affects him and anybody else is all very different so we're all everybody's very individual and when she told me I I thought first thing I thought was thank goodness it wasn't all in my head because that seemed worse Mm -hmm. the fact that I'd just been so sick for so long and it had all been in my head not in my brain literally in my nervous system but had just been something I'd been imagining because there is nothing to see and so when there's nothing to see and I'm just keep saying I really don't know why but I can't get down the stairs properly it's like my legs don't work forget about the numbness but there's still a lot of stuff that comes with it you know kind of that fatigue is something that is really hard to express um to people who have never experienced chronic fatigue it's something else you know it's really I I wouldn't be able to sit here waving my arms around sitting here would be too exhausting you know having a conversation is too exhausting Mm. it's literally you lie and you grunt (laughs) you know sometimes and so to know it wasn't all in my head was really wonderful so that was the first thing and then it was like okay so I've got MS what does that mean and she just said I don't know I was like what do you mean you don't know surely you must know she said well we'll have to wait and see won't we I said okay well what meds is there any medication that I can have what can you give me said nothing really it's like nothing so I'm on my own then she was like well you're not on your own there's the MS nurses and then the MS society I was like okay fine all right you know so but there was nothing that they could really do other than just watch and find out what happened they didn't have any recommendations for lifestyle they didn't have any recommendations for anything because nobody knew anything then like there was nothing to know so they didn't do anything wrong they just didn't know and but we know so much more 20 well I keep saying 22 because it was actually 22 years ago that I had my first symptoms. I was about 18, um, which were in my hand, my left hand. My left hand went numb twice in a course of about six months. And then I had nothing until I was 23, which was that major relapse. And with those those sessions where my hand had gone numb, we thought I had a trapped nerve in my back. So nobody paid any attention to it. So, But it wasn't until much later that I got so sick that people actually paid attention. Um, and so, but you know, in the last... 22 years the amount we know about brains and neuroplasticity and what we understand about the brain has changed tremendously what we understand about diet what we understand about eat the everything works and also there's a lot more medications now and there weren't any then so um so I was just glad it wasn't all in my head and that but it was a bit sort of disheartening in the sense well there's nothing really we can do just wait and find out find out what happened and like I said well when am I going to get better because I was still very sick, even though I had come out of the worst of that um, that initial relapse, 
I still, um, so I had what's known as dropped foot, which is where your foot hang down. And so you trip on it constantly as you walk because you can't, you don't have the strength to lift your toes up properly. So I would trip constantly on my feet um, on that one foot. I was really fatigued still. Uh, a lot of sleeping. I'd gone back to work, but it was really difficult. I couldn't stand. I couldn't move books around all day. It was it was absolutely impossible. Um, and I was still in a lot of pain as well, a lot of neuropathic pain, which is just sort of this all stabbing, stabbing pains and all sorts of random things like, oh, and there's this really exciting, really exciting <laughs> one where you lift, tilt your head forward and you get like this shots of electricity that run down the back of your body into your feet. Um, oh, I have, re and I remember, and I still get this as well, um, really um, one that or feels like I've got water running down the backs of my legs. And the amount of times I've got, oh my God, have I wet myself? Because I don't know. It feels like I've got mountains of water running down the backs of my legs. And I look and I feel and I go, oh no, I haven't. It's just my crazy brain. That's okay. I'm glad I haven't wet myself. I'm like, that's good. <laughs> We're winning. I haven't wet myself. It's like, yeah. And, you know, and so lots of things. Sometimes I feel like I have my foot in a bowl of porridge, which is not the end of the world really. But, you know, it's just kind of, now it doesn't matter because I, I, I'm so used to it. I'm just like, oh, it's porridge day. Okay, I can deal with porridge day. You know, it's like, it's all right. But then it was still very alarming and there was nothing. And I sort of said, when am I going to get better? And she said, well, the reality is you're probably not going to get any better than you are now. And that was really hideous to hear because I was 23. And as far as I was concerned, I was still very sick. And I wasn't happy about that. And I remember thinking... Mm, no, I don't know how, but I don't believe that at all. I can't believe that. I refuse to see that as my future. So let's just, without sort of making a, a big leap now, Katie, from mm. 23 to where we are today. And obviously there's a, a lot has gone on. Mm. And you're now, you're, you're a mum, you manage a busy portfolio-based career with lots of different strings to your bow. Um, how, how do you now have that energy to manage juggling all these many many elements and then not knowing at any one point that it could be porridge day porridge day yeah um yeah. so well that's a really that's a really good question so there's there's so many things there's never any one thing and that's the same for anybody there's never one thing so over the years i have discovered th certain things that make me feel good and certain things that make me feel bad so i don't do the things that make me feel bad <laughs> ever do I do the things that make me feel bad some I do slightly more than others but generally speaking the things that make me feel bad are um food that doesn't agree with me but of course that's not easy because it's not the same for everybody nobody's the same so it's food that doesn't agree with me that tends to be gluten so I eat gluten free I don't eat too much sugar but I do eat some um I don't drink any alcohol because alcohol makes me feel so so ill and I'm not just talking about a normal hangover like sleep for two weeks kind of ill never worth it so no night is worth sleeping for two weeks um and um plenty of exercise low stress life as well so I keep the you know good happy stress because we all get happy moments when mm. things are exciting and you're like oh there's lots going on and it's really it's really wonderful but that that sort of stress that eats away at you that makes you feel ruined um I try to avoid that uh, as much as possible and so I'm really um organized about what I do and don't take on so I have really complicated created by my husband spreadsheets about 
what I'm doing, when I'm doing them, how long I think it's going to take me to do so that I can see there isn't enough time to do that. Or this, like the audiobooks, um, I know exactly how much percentage of it I'm going to do every day. And I just hit that percentage. And I know I'm not going to have any crazy rush at the end, which makes me stressed and tired. I go to bed at the same time every night and I get up at the same time every day. (laughs) Really simple things that most people should probably do. (laughs) It would be good for them. It's just it's become really um, essential that I do them. So you just get that honed, (laughs) like really, really honed. And I just don't bother. And I, I don't wait around too much I just kind of do things I do things when I can and then when I can't do them I try not to sort of set into that moment of frustration in the porridge days I just go okay it's a porridge day so what is going to happen today that's a good question Uh, and then I make I make regular assessments of how my body is so you know I ask I literally ask my body are we good doing this? You know, is this is this going to work? And it either says, mm, yeah, go. It's all right. It's, you're just a bit tired because you didn't sleep quite well, but that's not the same as fatigue. You're going to be good. Go for a run. You'll rock and roll. Okay, that's fine. Or it, or I ask my body and my body goes, Mm-mm. sit on the sofa. You love porridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of it. So I've kind of got quite good at asking that question. Um, and seeing- I, li- I like the way that you, you come in almost at two ends of the spectrum there. There's one end, which is that, right, okay, I'm going to have a spreadsheet and I'm going to sit and look at this. And I think I can imagine it's sort of thing my husband would do, actually. And yeah. let's take this down as a percentage. Yeah. And I-, I can almost imagine him doing, saying, right, what do you want to do? And then we'll halve it. Um, yeah. you know, let's let's do yeah. less again. You can less still do this. Yeah. So you, you're almost coming in from that, like almost like a scientific point of view or a mathematical point of view. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is, and also I'm going to stay in tune with my body. Yeah. So I'm going to listen. Like there are there are different, and they can meet in the middle. These two things, Absolutely. because I, I liked what you were saying, Katie. Um, but actually, I'm just going to live a low stress life. It's almost like why don't why don't we all hey why do we don't have to wait for a diagnosis on anything in life to just to make these decisions? We yeah. can make these decisions at any point, can't we? Absolutely, we can decide. I think so much of um, what goes on, we can decide to we can decide to be well as well as we can be. So we can't, I, even with the best mindset in the world, and I, I'm very I am very fond of telling um, sort of like my followers on Instagram and anybody who will listen really, that living with a chronic illness is 80% mindset. The rest of it you can't do a lot about, but the 80%, you can really deal with that. So on those days where you're not feeling tip top, you're not feeling good, however, there are different things that I can do depending on how my energy levels are. So I might not be able to run, for example, let's take exercise because I like exercising. So I might not run every day, but maybe yoga's okay today. Is yoga? Yoga's good. So I'm still exercising, I'm still moving. Yoga's not going to work. Can I do some Tai Chi? I think I probably can. You know, I can maybe manage, even if it's just three minutes of Tai Chi, it's still three minutes more than you didn't do before. So you, anybody can make that decision to do that. And it's the same with work. You know, lo- I, I sort of separate my work into lots of different aspects. And some days I just think, I don't think I can sit in the bunker on talk for six, five hours. I just don't think I've got it in me. I'll go and do some editing. So I'll do some editing instead because that uses a different part of your brain or I've got something to write or I've got something else to do, you know, that uses different aspects of me depending on what my body feels like. And some days it really is just a lie down day. I don't have so many of those though. So it's not so bad. Like I'm a lot better than I was then. Um, Contrary to what they said, I would probably never get better. I have got a lot better than I was then. 
So what advice would you give then to a freelancer who, I mean, you know, so many different types of freelance or self-employed work that you can do now, Katie, but he yeah. may have just had a diagnosis of a chronic illness and, you know, chronic illness can be a whole plethora of things really. It's, we're not just talking MS and they've had that moment and they're thinking, cripes, okay, I've, I've got to manage this and I've still got to pay the bills. How, how am I going to get through this? What what would be your first words of advice there? Don't panic. <laughs> that would be the first one. Don't panic. Um, find yourself a tribe of people who get it. That really helps. I didn't have that for years. And that's really what motivates me now to do a lot of the um a lot of the things that I do, a lot of the work that I do that isn't voiceover work, a lot of the speaking and writing. It's motivated by the fact that when I was diagnosed, there was no community that was relevant to me at all. So find your community. Find the people who have been there and walked that stage before you and ask them, what, what do you think? How do you feel? How did, how did you manage this bit and that bit? Um, and, oh, and get really obsessed about resting. <laughs> I, I'm, I am obsessed with resting and I I know you've heard me say so many times resting is investing and that doesn't mean lying down constantly resting means so many things you know it might be resting could be drawing a picture doing some tai chi it could be watching the tv it could be having a cup of tea could be watching the birds sing could be playing with your children it could be it could be watching tv it could be reading but I mean there's so many things that rest does and that rest can be but do it lots because that really fills you up and that don't run, move exhausted all the time. Move with filled energy, you know, happy, buoyant energy. And if you feel that energy going down, don't let it get to the bottom of that battery thing. Never run it low. Go, oh, it's getting a bit low. Stop now before it gets too low because it's much easier to top up than it is to recharge all the way from the bottom. And that's the same for everybody, I think, isn't it? And yes, it is. And Katie, when you when you say that, I think, yeah, that's just that's a ama- that's brilliant advice. I've often heard you say resting is investing and it sticks with me and it stays with me. And I think we do as freelancers um, have a tendency to just run at life 100 miles an hour, say yes to everything, take on lots. I mean, not even just as freelancers, just, you know, it's the way we approach life at 110 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost to the point of. I don't know if I'm enjoying the things I'm supposed to be enjoying anymore. Right. I've yeah. packed in one too many things. Yeah. Um, so the yeah, rest yeah. thing is investing. I, I, I'm always like it. Always makes yeah, and it is. It's just slow down, you know, slow down. And I can't, I'm not physically capable of rushing. <laughs> like, I, I, no part of me rushes ever. I could be really late and I don't move any faster. <laughs> I, I really don't. I'm just like, well, I'm going to be late now. <laughs> It's like, because there's nothing I can do about it. My body just doesn't move very quickly. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's not that I just, I trip over stuff when I'm trying to rush. I walk into walls and, you know, all sorts of things. So I'm just like, I just don't do rushing. The world's just going to have to wait. <laughs> so I'm just, I love that. I don't rush. <laughs> the world waits for Katie. That's absolutely brilliant. And you, my you... daughter's talking through the wall and saying, "Don't forget, you can't jump," which is also oh. true. I, I can't jump. You <laughs> can't jump. I am. <laughs> I, I cannot jump. No, I'm absolutely terrible at is it. Is that an MS thing, or is that just a you thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't because I've had it for so long. I can't remember what I was like before, so I don't know. Um, I don't remember particularly 
struggling to jump, but maybe. I just don't think those muscles work very effectively. I can run, but my legs are used to doing that. But when I try to jump, it's the most pathetic jumping ever known. And it's hilariously bad. Um, I guess I could probably get better at it if I if I required myself to do so. But I, I, I think on a day-to-day basis, you're probably doing all right without jumping. Possibly. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't feel the need to go into trampolining or anything just yet, do you, Katie? No, 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 not particularly. Trampolining's okay though, because you get the boing off, don't ah, you? That's all the, right. Just, just the jumping with two feet <laughs> off. What a what a brilliantly quirky little foible to have, Katie. I quite like that. I'm Katie and I can't jump. I can't jump. <laughs> <laughs> what a good basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> one thing you can't do well yeah. now tell me about your instagram feed because you gosh it must be is it a year or so katie that you do you decided to set out and do something else didn't you yeah. and is it ms oh you must, ms is my yeah, superpower, is my superpower. Got it. yeah yeah ms is my superpower with lots of underscores between the words yeah. i thought we needed to read it and all one thing it seemed too much of a eyesore so um so I, I turned 40 at the end of November last year <laughs> and I decided I was sort of and I I had a as one does when in fact I do it quite a lot but when you have a, a proper big special birthday like 40, 30, 50, something like that, you always feel inclined to have a good soul searching moment, don't you? And so I thought deeply about what it was that was missing out of my life and what had been missing out of light out of my life as I'd stepped through it as I'd moved through my existence and so I did lots of writing and lots of thinking and I thought what was missing and as I said earlier you know that strong sense of community for when I was diagnosed with MS particularly um and but community then related to work (laughs) and related to all the things that I like and I just wanted to show people that because I think I have quite a fun and vibrant existence. Like, I like it. It doesn't bother me if nobody else does. But I, I life, my life is fun. And it's not too hard. <laughs> it's got lots of soft edges and lots of silly things that happen in it. It's all just, it is pretty easy. It, on, for the most part, there's lots of things that are annoying. But, you know, like cleaning and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, it's, you can have a vibrant, fun existence and still have a long-term debilitating illness and I thought it would have really helped me at 23 even though there was no social media then had there been social media it would have really helped me to see people older you know along the journey further who weren't just diagnosed because when you're just diagnosed you've got a different set of emotions surrounding your diagnosis you've got a lot of grief and there's a lot of grief and anxiety surrounding it and I don't really have much of that anymore um because I don't really think about it. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous because I think about it all the time, but I don't think about the future uh, because there's nothing I can do. There's, like I do all the things that I can do that are in my control, I, like, eat well, exercise, yada, yada, yada. But I can't do anything else. I can't create a future that's out of my control. So I don't think about it. And you're almost a very positive role model then, Katie. You're setting out to show people. You're an advocate, aren't you? Hey, this is what you can do. I'm Katie and I just so happen to have MS. And this is how I live my life. And And that's it. And that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to see. And so I decided that it 
I thought I'd see if anybody wanted to see it because <laughs> I thought I wanted to see it. And I thought, oh, God, no one's going to be interested in me because I'm just me. You know, it's like I'm not very interesting, really. But I thought, well, let's see, because maybe if it helps one person, then it's then it's good. But apparently it helps people and people do like it. And it's a nice it's growing into a lovely community. And so I'm, I started it because of that, because I wanted to bring people to understand that joyous vibrancy is not separate to chronic illness. They go hand in hand or they can. <laughs> I love what you do, Katie. Your Instagram feed is thoroughly entertaining and joyous and positive and uplifting and mindful all at the same time, whether you, you have a chronic illness or you don't have a chronic illness, there's lots of life lessons that um, that you share. It's, it's a really lovely feed to follow. Um, thank Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today it's been a real joy to have you join us on freelance one podcast if you're watching this on replay and you've got any questions for katie please do pop it in the comments and i know katie will come back and i'm sure she'll reply to them yeah. um i want to wish you the very best of luck for the ipsy awards katie on thursday you must be I over know. the moon I well, really you know, to be flying the flag and to think that you know you've come this far and that what you're setting out to doing is being recognized you know for for well-being you're yeah, a real yeah. advocate it's very exciting. I'm I'm very excited. And um, I bought a dress in a charity shop today. So I'm very excited. <laughs> exciting. That's exciting whether you're going to do or not, isn't it? <laughs> it's been wonderful speaking Thank today. You. Thank you so much. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in that posh dress. Thanks, Faye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.